This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Welcome back to another episode of Reclaiming Families. And before we get started, we just want to remind you that we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, and uh, please check us out there, like and follow us, and um, rate. give us rate and review us on our podcast. Yeah, and check out reclaimingfamilies.org for some new resources that we got out last week, um, some blogs, and then a, a way to you know have conversations with people whenever you have people over for dinner yeah so. the question sticks yeah yep. they're uh check yeah. us out and so well we have a special episode for you all today today we have taylor tollison with us and taylor was randy and my campus director when we were on staff with campus outreach and he has been such a great friend for many years and he uh impacted our lives a whole lot um, i worked for him for or worked with him and for him for about seven years so Taylor has influenced me in really great ways. Um, now he is with Memphis uh, City Seminary, and he has co-authored a book called Building Boys with Spiritual Habits, Train Your Boys to Be Real Men, Men of God. And so we have Taylor um, today on the next two podcasts, actually, the next two weeks, talking about just that, how to build boys to be men of God. So welcome, Taylor Tollison, to Reclaiming Families. Hey, hey, so good to be with you guys. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Well, Taylor, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I grew up in Arkansas and uh, met my wife at Arkansas State. Um, We were both graphic design majors there, and uh, we got married uh, towards the end of our senior year. And then uh, went from there and and worked with Campus Outreach, as you guys mentioned, um, over in Cookville, Tennessee, at Tennessee Tech and then in Knoxville, and then uh, we left our time uh, with CO, and we moved to Charlotte for a short time, Um, and uh, then moved from there to Memphis uh, to work at Second Presbyterian Church, and as you mentioned now, mainly with uh, Memphis City Seminary, and uh, we have, my wife and I, Bethann, have three kids, Um, a little boy named Avid, who's seven, and uh, a little girl named Hazel, who's almost three, and uh, Jones, a little chubby boy who is nine months old. That's awesome. Um, Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Cool. So, I mean, the topic of raising boys, obviously you have two, um, but a little, tell us a little bit more about how the topic of raising boys started to interest you. Yeah, I, honestly, even before I was married, before we had kids, um, I just wanted to be a good dad. You know, wanted to shape um, little girls or little boys. Uh, and I remember praying for whoever I had uh, at that point um, years and years ago. Um, so it's something I've been interested in. Then honestly, in my time with Camps Outreach, trying to learn how to shape uh, the 18-year-old boys that I met into men and helping them prepare uh, for manhood post-college. Um, so it's something I've, I've thought about and learned a lot about, read, and also listened to a lot of 
uh, dads of boys learned a lot from my dad um, and other men in my life who shaped me. Uh, but I think honestly, it, it got very interesting to me. Yeah, when I had a boy, um, yeah. our first son was born, and uh, probably when he was three, um, we we crafted these uh, Tolleson guy values together that uh, he memorized, and uh, he mostly could still tell them to me today. We've been reviewing them again because his uh, little sister is now at the point where she can figure them out we've we've shifted it to Tolson kid values and we kind of <laughs> rethought them a little bit yeah you know, there are some that just apply to him and some that we've written just for her um but uh so yeah we, we've thought about a lot of those and they're simple things but it's it's a good way for me to help him know what he's responsible to and for um so it's, sometimes it's Tolson guys clean up their own messes sounds really simple you know but yeah when he's 24 and he's made some mess that I want to help him remember, uh, it, it might be a bigger mess then, uh, than it is now, but I want to help him remember how to do that. Um, and sometimes it's Tolleson guys work hard, you know, and that obviously applies today, but it applies uh, in bigger ways as he gets older. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really important to me, but then also, you know, one thing that you guys mentioned, one of the books uh, that I have been working on another one, probably, Three years ago, um, we started working on this thing called the Seven Virtues of Manhood, and oh, cool. uh, I was working with um, the school that Avit goes to, uh, Presbyterian Day School. It's an all-boys school, and um, they have already written this material, but they were wanting to kind of review it and think through it. So I, I kind of just came on as as an editor, someone to help them think through it. But then we ended up rewriting a lot of it, and uh, there's great values. I mean. The true friend, the humble hero, the servant leader, the pace setter, bold adventurer, the noble knight, and the faithful follower. Hmm. And they're all, they're all obviously great values yeah. for boys, but also uh, people who, or as they grow up into men. But we tried to help them uh, rewrite some of this to the point where you can see how Jesus is your true friend, uh, how he is the the ultimate humble hero. We tried to land each of those values, not just as character values, but as um, ways that will help lead these boys to Jesus and see him as the ultimate man. Um, so that was a really fun project that started years ago that we've now put that out. But that, that's something that I think um, has also helped me get more serious about raising boys and working with uh, the school closely uh, and learning from them, they do a great job. I mean, that it's an all boys school that um, they really cater to how a boy learns, and yeah. it, it's fun to watch them uh, do that. So I'm obviously not some expert on, you know, raising boys. My son's only seven. You know, the, <laughs> the proof is going to be when he's ready to move out and as he gets older. But I think, as I mentioned, just watching them, or watching my dad, and then watching other men. Uh, you know, shape me and then teach me. And then, uh, you know, these books were, I've just sort of helped craft the ideas or edit them down. I didn't come up with all this content. So um, I, I'm certainly no expert in that. Um, I mess up all the time trying to figure out how to do it. Um, but I, I'm learning from them and then trying to help them put some thoughts and ideas together. Uh, in these sure. Books. So, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I was just thinking like, I think you've always had a particular knack for shaping boys to men. And and just thinking about our time on campus, it was always a, you could just kind of tell, you always led by example well, 
and uh, you always had, you knew where you were taking them, you knew what you were trying to mold them into, and, and so when you wrote this book, I was like, you know, I'm really, really curious, like, Taylor's been such a good influence on building boys to men on the campus, college-age boys, that I was like, this is going to be a good little book, and uh, and then some of the material is very similar, like, I've seen it, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, instant, you know, we can get into it a little bit later as we talk in about it, but episode. in our second episode, but... Yeah, you know, you say, hey, listen, I'm no expert, and, and I don't know who is an expert in raising boys, but, <laughs> right. yeah, you definitely, uh, you've had some good experience, and uh, and so it's, uh, I would say you're, you're more qualified than most, and so <laughs> that's why we're glad to have you on here. Yeah, I'm curious about what, uh, so we have, like, a little family value statement. Um, you've mentioned a couple things, like little men clean up their messes, little men work hard. I mean, tallest in men, not little men. That would be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering, like, what are some of the other values that y'all have that, you know, you, you like to say to Ava and soon to Jones? Yeah, I'll, uh, let me pull them up just so I don't forget. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, if you're going to ask us what ours are, we'd say, uh, let, me, let me go right. out there and look at the side. <laughs> right. Um, so there's a few. Some of them are, are just funny. That I, and this is why I'm pulling them up because the funny ones. Like never trust head. a fart. Um, I remember Avit going around saying that. That's number 11 on the list. <laughs> oh, wow. wow, wow. I remember when Avit was so would go around <laughs> saying that. And that one actually just got brought up a couple of days ago for reasons I won't go into. <laughs> um, I told you, son. <laughs> life lesson, man. Uh, so, so yeah, one of them is uh, we finished what we start, you know, so sometimes it's your food, man. We're sitting down eating supper and you got to finish your meal, you know, or, or uh, cleaning your room or whatever. So finish what you start. Uh, do what's right, even if it's hard or if we're scared. Uh, that one obviously has big time implications down the road in his life and mm-hmm. and all of our kids' lives. Clean up their own messes. We said uh, respect other people, uh, work hard, protect others. And when this was just for Avid, uh, we were saying protect others, especially your mom and your sister. You know, um, but protect others. Um, we do what we say. Uh, we're patient and kind. Uh, we admit when we're wrong and we accept the consequences, which also, again, obviously has big implications later in life. Yeah. Uh, we don't hide, but we tell the truth and then um, love their mom. And that, those are our ones. And I, I removed a couple of the other funny ones. <laughs> those, are, those are the gist of, of what we're getting at. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So how have you changed those with Hazel? Yeah, so some of them with protecting others, we've tried to think through just, I mean, yeah, there might be moments where she needs to do that, but that's ultimately her brother's responsibility. Yeah. Um, So some of it is just like protecting yourself, putting yourself in, uh, or helping yourself, preventing yourself from being in not so smart situations, so Mm -hmm. making wise decisions. And um, that's probably the one that has been the most uh, relevant uh, or the most in need of changes. as we just try to think about how that works, but most of the rest of them are like, you know, I, I don't know if I, if I would have had a girl first, I probably wouldn't have included don't trust a fart. And that was some, some sort of a <laughs> boy only thing that we did. So yeah. Um, yeah, that I think those are some of the 
when I was pregnant, Randy was coming up with all these things about like little men, little men. I was like, Randy, what if we have a girl? And we have a girl. Turn up a girl. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. But the family values, like I listened to a podcast. Uh, I think it was on like the art of manliness or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. it was this, this, I mean, he was a, He's a soldier or Navy SEAL or what? What I mean, he was, he was something. He's talking about having values. All leadership, you lead with values. And uh, that's what you have. Like, it's what defines the team. And so he was like, in marriage, in sports, and in the military, you you have your stated values that make you, you. And uh, and so it got me thinking. We, we crafted some values. And, and it just gives you something to, you know, to – to shape to, to mold to. He doesn't have his army yet, but yeah, I don't have my army, maybe but, one uh, day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's uh, like, it's been very useful. Yeah, and so it has been. Um, yeah, we could talk. Yeah, about okay. yeah, and those things are. I mean, I, I have you know shared them as things that I'm trying to get him to remember, but they keep me in Beth Ann so so accountable to so many things too. You know, yeah. like. I'm not, I don't want to hide. I want to tell the truth. I mean, the fact that that I'm calling my kids to do that, gosh, what does that say about me? Or doing what I say, even if it's about, I've told my kids, hey, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to be home at this time. Just like I expect them to do what they say, it puts a different layer of pressure on me too. And and now that my son is older, he will um, remind me of some of these values. (laughs) That's right. That's cool. And uh, let me know when I'm not living up to it. That's right. So, but that's that iron sharpening iron, you know. It's a, uh, it's 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 good. So, um, so let's get back to the book, and we're trying to get, you know, we've got uh, some good questions we want to ask you and, and know, and and we want a bunch of values too. But uh, so, why do you put a special emphasis on raising boys instead of raising girls or raising kids or raising in kids? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I mean, initially, you know, having a son first was one thing, uh, but also, I mean, doing some of this writing since it's an all boys school, they, they have just asked that we try to, to craft it um, in a way, just like so much of their curriculum and extracurricular activities are all towards boys only. They, they're trying to write this material in a way um, that prepares boys um, and they're trying to gear it you know, specifically towards them. And they are um, from like preschool all the way until sixth grade. So another project with them, uh, was writing on something called flight plan again, something they had already uh, written before, but um, I was helping them edit it and, and kind of gospelize it in a way and help them uh, not just have character values they're trying to shape, but help them move um, towards got more gospel centered sort of realities. And um, but it, it's dealing with you know when a fifth sixth grader is moving towards puberty and they're they're getting ready for junior high and. There's all these boy-only kind of topics that need to be covered. So, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not trying to overvalue raising boys instead of also raising girls. I think this part of it is just because this all-boy school that I've been uh, trying to to help with uh, some of their material. That's why most of that content is is like that. So, and I honestly, you know, even when you look back into uh, the campus ministry days, I mean, I. Tried my best to try to lead girls, but I wasn't great at it. I'm still trying to figure out how to lead my wife all the time and uh, trying to help her grow and help other women grow. But And I love my little girl, you know, but I just know a little bit more about uh, helping shape and raise boys and men. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm learning how to 
make pigtails, um, but I'm not very good <laughs> at it yet. <laughs> My wife is helping me do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, and that's not obviously all that a girl is. I'm just saying, like, I, I just have more experience in yeah. sure. uh, the realm of boys and men. So, I'm yeah, I, I don't know if that answers. This is a little off topic, too, but I'm curious. You mentioned how the school, the PDS, like their curriculum and everything about the school is shaped towards boys. Like, how is, what's the, the difference there? Because I, I think that, like, part of what we want to pull out in this is, like, there is a difference in boys and girls. And mm-hmm. so I'm just curious as how the education process is different when it's directed at only boys. Maybe not. Maybe curriculum's the wrong word. Maybe it's more like just the school's design and the way that they deliver their curriculum mm-hmm. is different. So they are very, very aware of boys who tend to be hyperactive. And <laughs> girls at a younger age are better at just sitting still and listening, following instructions. And for boys, it's not that they don't want to learn or are incapable. They just usually learn different. They learn while they're moving or learn while they're outside or very, very hands-on. So, you know, Ava will come back and explain what all they were doing outside that day and the, the ways that they were learning That's cool. by building things as opposed to uh, just learning principles in a, a book or on a whiteboard or whatever. So, so much of it is, yeah, being uh, aware of just the, the different learning styles that boys and girls have. Um, and girls just mature quicker earlier on, and they're, again, able to maybe respect authority differently than boys do at an early age. So, I think they're just sensitive to that. And, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm still learning a lot about that personally and then watching them do that. Um, but the school is 75 years old now and they've been doing it like this for years. And I think they're, they really know what they're doing. I get a lot of respect for them. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I, uh, like it's fascinating to me because I've, I've listened to a few podcasts and, and one of the stuff I've, I've heard today and, and I don't know, you know, exactly um, I don't know all my thoughts on it, but it was that, hey, we're trying to put boys and girls together in this mold, in these schools. And what happens is you end up raising these boys like girls because girls are the ones that are, you know, submissive and listening to the teachers. And, and then you're taking these boys and you're making them fit in that mold. And uh, it's, they're saying, you know, this podcast was saying it's detrimental to the boys. And, uh, and then, you know, there's all kinds of podcasts on boys becoming competent. And in order to do that, you know, they kind of have to push the boundaries and, and do dangerous stuff on the playground and, and all these things. And it's like, well, where's the limit between letting the boys go wild and, you know, and danger and just unlimited danger and enough danger to let them kind of learn how to be competent in whatever they're trying to do. You know, climbing a tree or, you know, like there's this... Uh, there's this tension, I think, with with probably all kids, but especially I'm seeing it with boys, is that you have to let them have some danger in their life. You have to let them, you know, kind of. It seems like to me I might be completely wrong, you know, but I don't think so, and because I want an element of danger, and uh, I want to become, you know, it's like you drive a fast car. There's something satisfying about being able to drive and control a fast car. It's dangerous. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's strictly just related to only differences in boys and girls. I do think that those, those things are there. Some of it's just different learning styles. Period. You know, yeah. like sometimes it's as simple as um, uh, you know, even if you look at who valedictorians have been historically, it's typically girls. It's not always, but typically 
because they fit in that system maybe better than some boys do. But it's not just that. It's the specific learning styles of those girls. So um, to be able to fit into that system and become the, the smartest in your class, you, it's not as much about necessarily being the smartest. I mean, you probably do a ton of research through very, very successful CEOs or, or military leaders that maybe they weren't the valedictorian in their class, but it right. doesn't mean that they're not brilliant. Uh, they just didn't fit into that given mold. And um, so I think it's not only uh, male and female differences, though. I think that that definitely plays into it. Some of it is just certain styles, certain molds. That, that I'm certainly no expert in that area either, but I do think that there's some some things that we could learn from uh, how all that unfolds. You know? yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'd like to learn yeah. more about education for sure, how to educate young kids. Randy wants to be a headmaster of a school, but um, our friends have recently told him, they, they say I'm not qualified, but I'm like, I, I feel like I am qualified. So but we're getting off topic. <laughs> yeah. We're getting off topic. Anyways, so when we look at like biblical manhood, what it is to be a boy from a, a biblical lens, where can you or how can you see the world kind of tearing down boys or trying to make boys less masculine? Um, yeah, th- there's a few things, I think. So even related to that education question and just a broad parenting question, um, kind of related to the danger thing you're getting at, Randy. Um, I, I sense in myself this tendency also to be overprotective. Um, like I do not want my kids to get hurt, you know, like especially my little girl. I mean, she is maybe the bravest of our three kids right now. She's jumping off stuff. She's watching her older brother just do some crazy stuff. And so she thinks she can do it. Um, and I, my inner urge is to protect her. There's such a, so much has been talked about and written on like the helicopter parenting and hovering right. over your kids. And um, I'm trying to work my way away from that. I think there can be some benefits to it, but I'm trying to loosen up. You know, the Bethan is great on, helping me do that. Um, there's, and there's books written out there that maybe go too far on the other end. Uh, I think one, one book is like free range parenting that I've skimmed through. And I think there's some interesting stuff there that helps me <laughs> maybe I'm over on the other end or other end. Um, but, uh, you know, helping like I, now at this stage, I feel a little bit better about my seven year old. Like I know that he knows what he should and shouldn't do when it comes to danger for the most part. So he's, when he asks me, Dad, can I climb that tree? It's like, sure thing. Go as high up there as you want to. <laughs> if you fall down and break your arm, you do. You know, like, and I, I'm not going to be over cautious and hovering over him at that stage. Um, whereas my little girl at this point, she's still not great in her balance or in her <laughs> judgment. And so I'm, I'm going to maybe help her in some different ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I think one of the ways culture slash trends and parenting and everything is the, the over-sensitive, uh, over-protective kind of uh, framework that's there. Uh, but I also think that when we think about how the, the world is is trying to maybe keep boys from being masculine, I, I think there's a couple elements to that because I think and maybe another end of this would be that there has been maybe this hyper-masculine movement that, you know, that has put out some expectations of what all men should be like when not all men are exactly like this. So 
Randy, your example of, you know, driving a fast car, or even, I remember you and me, you were my neighbor for a while. You were working on a motorcycle out in your, in the backyard, in my front yard, you know, and I just, there were moments where when I look at you and how you are good at working on cars or motorcycles, or you like going fast, or even sometimes it's like that guy's great at skiing or that guy's great at this. I'm not great at any of that stuff, you know, but somehow our culture has made as equal or has um, put masculinity as equals working on cars and good at mm. this and good at that. And, and that's not necessarily true either, but there are people who, um, because they can't attain to that and can't fit into that mold, they assume, well, I can't be that kind of a man, you know, like I can't, I can't fit into that kind of mold. So maybe I'm not a man. Maybe I now have new questions about my gender identity or whatever it is. And I'm not saying that that's always the case, but I do think if we have taken some of those particular values and said that this absolutely equals manhood, um, then that can just create some interesting space between what me, who's not good at working on cars, you know, um, or whatever fill in the blank kind of masculine thing that's put forward doesn't mean I'm not I'm necessarily less of a man. I'm just a different kind of a man. You know, now there are other values that are biblical values that we can get into in a moment that that all men should share if you're going to be a biblical man. But there's not the the other cultural things that are placed on top of that. Um, the hyper masculine uh, kind of movement that that's where things can get kind of troublesome. You, you see what I'm saying about that? Yeah, yeah definitely. I think you know. It's almost like the wrong word is is being used. Like if the culture, like for example, let's just take myself. It's like okay, works on motorcycles. That's not any. That's not necessarily masculine. You know, women can work on motorcycles, and you know, right. it's not. But it is like competent in that. And so when people might be like, they might be using, hey, he's masculine, but it's actually might be like, no, he's just really competent in that, or competent in skiing, or competent here mm-hmm. and there. And, and it's like it's, it's like that is getting pushed over into masculinity like your competency. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I know that I guess one of the things that I learned from you in, in college or on staff was, you know, chopping wood is not necessarily mask, you know, masculine, you know, it's uh it's fun to chop wood. And I think it's, you know, it's right. tough and yeah, you know, I, I love everything about it, but you know, masculinity, you know, it's like, did Jesus ever chop wood? And yeah, I mean, probably, you know, but, uh, <laughs> right. He's a carpenter. Yeah, at some point. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. the point is like, you know, being a logger is not necessarily the, the definition of masculinity. And, right. uh, and so it's really a character. I think your, your character is more, you know, masculinity. Yeah. Right. A responsibility. Yeah. And, and so, so yeah. So. Yeah. And if you look at, you know, if we look at maybe Jesus' example or other places throughout the scriptures where this, these sort of things are discussed, I mean, like patience and kindness and humility, and I mean, those things are what can set a man apart, you know, and can actually characterize a man as opposed to only the, the kind of vocational things that you might do. You know, those things are obviously great. We should value our vocation, but they don't define us as a man or, or whatever. So a man who is only working on a computer as an accountant and in the weeds of spreadsheets, but as providing for his family and is protecting his family and is uh, uh, doing things responsibly uh, in with his friends, 
and, and taking initiative and responsibility at work. And you, I mean, you name it. I mean, everything about that is masculine. Right. But right. he might not know his way. He might not know the difference between a monkey wrench and a hammer, you know, but, mm-hmm. yeah. but, but it doesn't mean he's less of a man. So I, I think the hyper-masculine stuff has gotten confusing um, and somewhat, or, you know, it has been something that people have thought this is what masculinity is and, and not biblical masculinity. And what, what our culture then on the other hand has done, so I'm not only blaming the hypermasculine movement and the other way, uh, what we've ended up doing is uh, empowering boys to stay boys and to not mature. So um, because maybe they can't quite get to the masculine point, maybe they're confused in their identity or the hypermasculine point, maybe they're confused, uh, or we're not proactively trying to help them move from a boy to a man. And I, I think even um, with my son now, and we were just having this conversation recently with him. Um, so he, he just like most of us likes to stay in his, the things he enjoys. And during the summer, he likes to yeah. be entertained and relax. And I, I understand that. I mean, he's seven. It's, we've got him in these different camps. So he's couple of weeks ago, he was in a music camp. He learned a few different instruments, or at least kind of got his you know bearings on how that stuff worked. Then he was in a football camp the next week. Um, and these are all just kind of daytime camps. It's not overtime or overnight stuff. This week right now, he's in a digital art camp. So he's like trying to become a little renaissance man, all these interests of his. He's really <laughs> interested. But when he gets home, he's tired and he just wants to, you know, sit on the couch or sit in his bed and usually it's reading, which I'm not against him reading. He's, he's a great reader. Um, but he just gravitates towards things that are easy. So as a parent, I could just say, well, he's still doing good things. You know, he's still reading a book. Beth Ann has been so great at helping him see how he's gravitating towards easy things and not towards things that take a little bit of hard work or mm-hmm. effort. So when she asks him to clean his room or to do math homework that he doesn't like to do um, because he's got to get ready for uh, second grade for him. That stuff, he just has a meltdown and it's so hard for him uh, to, uh, to gather himself and go do something he maybe doesn't want to do. But that's my role as a dad and Beth Ann's role as a mom is to help him push through that and, and, and do hard things and do things that maybe are taking some responsibility. Um, but I, I think it's so easy I, personally for me to do this, but also I think generally as, as we're talking about the world in general, culture in general, to just kind of be like, okay, just, you know, I, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> you know, right. like you don't have to do that right now. And, um, and I, that's, that's one microcosm of, of a bigger issue. I think uh, where we just don't push boys to stop being boys and hmm. to keep moving towards becoming men. Yeah. Um, that's good. So, and, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this for just what you guys talk about it, uh, there's at Abbott school or anything, but one thing that I've been hearing in some different podcasts that we've been listening to, um, is mother's tendencies to coddle boys more than girls. And so, you know, boys are a lot more likely to end up living at home again than girls are after graduating and, and stuff like that. But I don't know where I was going with that, but do you have any thoughts on, on that and what y'all see at PDS and, or like how you and Beth Ann are trying to help not coddle? Yeah, I, I think part of that, it, it's built in like a healthy impulse to be a good mom and to keep 
providing and keep loving. And honestly, part of it, you know, is probably rooted in um, these moms not wanting to throw their boys into the reality of difficult manhood. And, and maybe even like, I don't want you to become like your low life uncle or dad or whoever, you know, like maybe they're trying to do, maybe there's something there where they're trying to protect. Um, I, I don't think Bethann right now has wanted to coddle uh, at all. Um, and I think that she, she pushes me and my pushing of Ava in some good ways, but she also helps me be realistic. And yeah. so sometimes I might have 12 year old expectations on him that will actually crush him and defeat him and mm. make him not want to grow up. That's good. Whereas she's like, Hey, he's only seven, you know, like you can't expect him to do that yet. You know, like let's, let's really meet him where he is and help him go step by step as opposed to, you know, or even sometimes I'll have 18 year old expectations on him where it's like, no, you're not even close to that yet. Right. Um, so sometimes coddling, might get misinterpreted as just actually helping a boy take his next step. It's not necessarily coddling. It's just like, that's, that's the appropriate place that he's in. Now, beyond that, once he's 18 or so, then yeah, I think that there might be some different conversations that need to be had about where he's actually at and what mom's tendency might be. Um, But yeah, I I haven't seen a whole lot of that or heard some of the stuff you're, you're mentioning, but that's some of my thoughts on maybe what's contributing to it. I think I've seen, like, even as you were talking, I think I've seen in that where, and, and even just like, we have a lot of divorced people in my family. And so a lot of moms kind of stepping up and doing the role of mom and dad. And so I think I've just seen so much where I'm kind of putting pieces together now that I'm older, where it really does take a mom and a dad working together because, yeah, like, to be able for a dad to be like, Hey, I I think you are coddling him. And then for a mom to be able to say, well, I think you're being too tough on him. Like you have to have both of those qualities of a man and a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. shepherding and, and raising children. So that's good. Um, Yes. Beautiful design of the family. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It is. And you mentioned just like kind of going into some gospel perspective for these things and just qualities of, of biblical manhood. So what were some of those qualities you were going to mention? Well, um, I, I really think in general, it, it's helpful to just remember that um, as boys and men, that they're just not all going to be exactly the same, you know, that they're not going to look the same, act the same. And I mean, I know some, some really manly men in a biblical sense who at one time in their life, I would have maybe defined as effeminate. But in reality, I just had a bad view of what masculinity and, and femininity really were. You yeah. know? Um, so I think that the, to know that we're all different, uh, and we're, it's gonna, the, the biblical values are going to play out differently in different men, though I, the biblical values aren't going to change. They're going to be the same. They will maybe look different. Hmm. But I think, honestly, I mean, so much of what the gospel perspective would be um, is is thinking some of what we just said earlier about the way that uh, watching Jesus as a man and the things that he participated in, I think it's really instructive to see how Jesus interacted with not only other people, but women and watching his uh, treatment of them and his kindness, yet also his 
firmness at moments uh, with people he needed to be firm with. Um, but I, I think to get to the, the heart of what God's word is really calling us to in terms of men's and women's roles, I, th- I think the household co- codes, as they're called, in both Paul's letters and Peter's uh, letters, I think really help us get to the heart of some of what we're called to, but also the, uh, the sense in which, like in First Peter, Jesus is our example uh, in First Peter 2, but he's also our substitute for all the times that we mess up and all the times that we don't live out those things perfectly. So I think that it's so great for us to see his life and appreciate and learn from and be shaped by his life, but also to know that I can't live his life. And that's the whole reason he had to give his life, you know, um, and to let that then shape me as a person, which is actually how I'm going to be changed, not by girding up my loins and trying to, to tack on all these character traits, but by trusting in what he's done and overflowing with gratefulness for the fact that he gave his life for, for my piddly little life that can't quite get it together. You know? um, so, yeah, I, I think that's where a gospel-shaped manhood says it's okay that you're not the perfect man because there was another perfect man. Um, who came in your place. So, yeah, I, I think that's some of how I would relate the gospel to, to manhood for sure. So what's, um, what's some application for parents and, and non-parents alike? When it comes to just raising boys and kind of reclaiming masculinity, especially in a world that's tearing it apart. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, really getting to know God's word um, is probably the top application. Yeah, that's um, good. because it it is going to be overwhelming if you start trying to dive into all the the literature or all the podcasts or all the whatever that's out there. Um, and inevitably, we're just a pro or most of that literature is going to be a product of whatever the ongoing debate is and whatever the the current cultural issue is. God's word is timeless, eternal, forever applicable, you know, so I just need to get to know it on its own terms, as opposed to me trying to, to put some kind of, you know, system on top of it. Um, so I need to get to know God's word, but I also think for, for parents, especially, um, to be patient with wherever your kids are, if it's a son or a daughter, um, some of what I was getting at earlier, just not trying to rush them along to the next phase when, when they need to be in the current phase that they're in for a while. And I was talking to my supervisor not long ago about these different guys who are always complaining to him about how, you know, their sons aren't being tough yet, or they're not, they don't have this kind of inner, you know, desire to get dirty or whatever. And they're like, what's wrong with him? What, what is it? And he's just explained, he's got two older boys um, that are in their, late 20 or mid to mid to late twenties. And he's just saying some of that didn't come out and them until they were like 14 to, right. to 18. Right. Um, so just wait, you know, like it's not that it's all going to look the same, but it's also not going to happen all at the same time either. And you, you don't have to think something's wrong with your son or your daughter or for whatever reason. Um, just being patient, I think is so helpful. That's good. And then the last thing honestly is leading by example. So getting to know God's word, being patient, and then leading by example. Um, so sometimes it's, I currently though, I'm helping my kids and, and uh, 
some different students in the seminary that I help work with, or sometimes it's coworkers. Like I, I want to so uh, consciously and carefully model the sort of man that I hope that they become. You know, yeah, that's good. so someone was uh, me and my coworker a few days ago. Someone responded to something we did with not the best attitude, and I could totally have gotten defensive and proven myself and why this person we were interacting with was wrong, but I just wanted to try to wear it in front of the, my coworker and patiently hear this person out and, uh, and try to model in front of him, here's how we can interact with people who disagree with us, or here's how we can consciously, carefully hear what's really going on. And then by the end of the conversation, still be able to laugh and, and, and be fine with each other and not yeah. get worked up. And that's something that God has tried to shape in me for a long time. I've not been very good at, but I, I, I get better at it when I feel the responsibility of modeling it in front of somebody else. Yeah. You know? um, so I think leading by example is, is another great application for parents and non-parents. That what you just described is something that I learned from you is being able to bear the blame for someone else because Jesus wore the blame for you. And it's crazy mm. because that actually came up just yesterday for me. Mm. And I, I didn't respond to it well at first. And Randy was kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, how would you do? But then <laughs> as I was like thinking about it and like kind of another accusation came up, it's like, okay, this one I'm just going to wear. I'm going to wear it. And I actually thought back to being on campus with you when you were telling us you know, that we're empowered to wear the blame because Christ wore the blame for us. So, yeah. And we can do that at least for a while, but for that other person's sake, we do need to come around and still help them see maybe some of the the picture that they're missing. And I I still want to care about that person and not only just walk away and, and, and always assume it's my fault or whatever, you know, I I don't want to stay there, but I, I don't have to get defensive. I can at least wear it in the moment and, and then come back around when I've calmed myself down and yeah. maybe he or she has calmed down and, um, and be able to then probably more accurately discuss what we need to talk about. You That's know? good. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, uh, well, we're going to have you back yeah. on for our next episode as well to go a little <laughs> bit more into the book. Um, but for now, I think that's a wrap and we'll uh, catch you next time. Join us next time. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.